0: Welcome back to another episode of Thinking Well podcast. This week, Kyle and Tom are going to wrap up the interview with Pastor Tim Plemons. Uh, so enjoy. Oh, real quick, up until this point, um, and I, I'm asking this for clarification purposes. Obviously, I know the answer. Um, from the time uh, before you met your wife. Tabitha, um where were you going to church at and who was your pastor?
1: Um, I was going to uh Ottawa Bible Baptist Church of Ottawa. So I've been putting senior dad was okay. uh, was the pastor.
0: Right. So and do do you think that it became harder in Montana um, at this other church because it was kind of, you were no longer kind of under that umbrella of, um, people who knew you so well. And like people were actually kind of challenging you and you were seeing portions of faith, maybe that you hadn't seen before. Cause don't get me wrong. What <clears throat> we both know, dad, uh, one of the most faithful men I, I think I've ever met in my life. Um, uh, and I, I think a lot of us can say that, would say that about our our Christian dads, right? Like one of the most faithful men I've ever met in my life. For sure. Um, but being, seeing that our whole lives and how faithful he was, I think sometimes even for myself, um, up until, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 years ago, took it for granted, right? Like dad's faithful because dad's dad and that's why he's faithful i mean he's a missionary he's a pastor he's supposed to be faithful and then you kind of knowing that and but being so accustomed to it and seeing it all the time that it really didn't his faithfulness didn't challenge you because it was a given it was kind of something that we took for granted do you think that contributed to being in this new setting and I, I know Kyle looks like he's, he's got something but um, being in that new setting and seeing hey this faith isn't just intrinsic to my dad it's, it's a faith that other believers have
1: I, th- I think it played a part uh, I think a part of it was that I was clinging to dad's faith okay. I was clinging to family faith that this is how we've just grown up our whole lives. This is just the way it is. You know, we've always done it this way. This is always the way it's going to be. Yet when I went to Montana, I was hearing preaching that actually was challenging my whole preconceived notions and thought processes of the Word of God as a whole. Um, I was hearing flat-out stuff that was just hammering me, but I didn't really take it as... Uh, being convicting on the part that I was lost, but taking it like, well, why didn't I ever know this stuff? And uh, I remember preaching a couple of times, I preached a a couple of times at that conference out there, and everybody would always come up to me and say, wow, that was a great message. And I believe that's when God was actually using me as a lost person to bring about his plan for somebody else that was in that church uh, and not for me it, uh, I would just kind of find some nuggets or something like that I remember there were times and I know this is going to go live but uh, there were times that I would just take a message and revamp it
0: like one you had heard somebody when else. one you, oh okay
1: from somebody else completely online or somebody else would hand me their notes and I would just revamp it Oh all right, well, make I mean, sure
0: that they never heard this. <laughs> well, but but I mean there's nothing there's a lot of preachers that do that, right? And there's a good there's a, there's a good studying. way to do it, but what you were doing, studying. you weren't studying it, right? You weren't re- redoing it no. and making it your own. You were just kind of, huh, if I, if I change some of the wording here, then it then nobody will right. have ever heard it before anyway." Huh? No. Yeah,
1: exactly.
2: Well, yeah, no, I'd like so to that's what to I was jump, doing. I'd like to Hang jump on. in there real quick, Tim. So it, it sounds like, you know, you I have a very similar kind of story there where you kind of just feel insulated, right? You feel like hey, you know, I can from what I'm so familiar with for so long growing up in church where just you don't look at someone else's faith and, and say, "Hey, I need to make this my own." It's really more than anything, "Hey, there's enough faith to go around. I'm covered." So, Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, we I can go on to my day-to-day <clears throat> and not really understand why I'm doing what I'm doing and I I can hear these messages every Sunday or, or or Wednesday and say, "Oh, that's great. I know all this stuff. What's next?" Right? Yep. But and you never but okay. you never really take the application and make it your own. I I <laughs> I can identify that 100%. Yeah.
0: Like you 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 you're doing it because that's what Plemons do. You're doing it that's because that's what Reeves do, right? right. Um yeah. Huh?
1: Sorry. It was also the expectation I'm supposed to be a preacher. So the expectation of always doing these things as being a preacher of the gospel or somebody that's supposed to be in ministry, this is what's expected. You preach, you you find a message, you put it together. And sometimes I would just find a message to find a message. It wasn't really waiting on the Lord to give me a message or anything like that. It's just, oh, this is a great outline. And I just write out the outline and I'd be done. Um, so we were there for probably a couple years, eighteen months, I think. And I got a call to be a pastor of a church in North Dakota. And I was really, I really didn't know what to do. I, I mean, ultimately, that's a goal of any person that's called into the ministry, especially a preacher, to be a pastor of a church somewhere. I mean that's like the ultimate goal, and what was so the pastor of the church that we were at in Montana, he had asked me some very good questions, and he's extremely wise. I mean, one of the wisest preachers that I know. Um, but and he gave me some extremely great advice, and I didn't heed it. I wish I had looking back, but it mm-hmm. meant. God was taking me on a path that I didn't know that would lead ultimately to him saving me. So his advice was, don't take that church. They need somebody with more experience. You don't have it. You don't need it. You don't need to walk into what you're walking into. Let them get somebody that already has experience. Let them find someone else. You're not ready.
2: Which is going you know, exactly against what you would want, right, as someone who's... You know, but you know, being called to preach, and you're waiting for a church that needs you. When this opportunity finally comes around, you're—I mean, I, I would assume you're chopping at the bit. You want to get out there, but you know, you have this council come in that kind of—you know—puts that to to bed. And no, I, I can see that, right? Where that's kind of this is what you're meant to do, right? You yeah. can justify, hey, no, I, I'm called to preach. I, I, I—why wouldn't God want me here, right?
1: Hmm. Yeah. Uh, but since he'd been in the ministry for as long as he'd been in the ministry and he could already tell the telltale signs of what this church was going through that i shouldn't do it i went ahead and did it okay obviously and so my wife and i moved there uh, and took the church like i don't know march of 2012. took the church And I can say this, honestly, everything that I experienced in that church within the two years that I was the pastor, some pastors have never experienced in 10 years of ministry. It was a school of hard knocks, I'll put it that way. It was tough and I was doing it all lost. Wow. And so uh, it, if, yeah.
0: if <clears throat> you, you say school of hard knocks and you don't need to go into great detail, but, um, to g- give <laughs> us two major things that you dealt with that, like you, you would think that most pastors, seasoned pastors, maybe may not have dealt with.
1: First three months, first three months I was there. In the first three months there was homosexuality, um, the song leader called me in May of that year that his house was burning down to the ground because his son and his son's, in quote, friend uh, were, had been smoking on the back porch and they did put the cigarette out, and so it burned from the top down. Uh, it caught a tree on fire, which then leaked to the roof of the house and burned it down. That was in May of the year that I took the church. Uh, so we had homosexuality because his son was... <clears throat> His son was gay, probably still is. Um, had that going on. Had to actually tell them not to be there because in church. Um, had a man commit suicide six months later, uh, and all the blame was put on me. Um, and that was just within eight months of being there.
0: Okay. Wow. Yeah, I I know veteran pastors who have never had to go through anything like that. And I, I mean, I I think. Th- the key thing about how you started talking about this church is not saved, right? Like a pastor right. who is having to come up with these answers without the help of the Holy Spirit. Like, I, I can't even imagine, man. Like, did that-
1: it should have sent red flags. It should have sent red flags to me when the funeral took place that I was not involved in any of it, except for the administration part. I did not preach the funeral. I did not give a gospel message. None of that. I was not involved in any of that except for the administration of it. Wow.
0: Well, that's God tough, here. man. That's tough.
2: Okay. So, so Tim, do you think going through going through those you know all these troubling times there at that church, do you think do you think maybe some of that was God allowing you to go through these trials to maybe try to push you closer to realizing that I need to take care of this in my life? Do you think that might have been something that was happening behind the scenes?
1: Yeah, because there were some things going on in my life. there was still enormous amounts of fear and worry and anxiety still going on in my heart. Um, But I was trying to keep it, I was trying to be cool about it. Cool, calm and collected, not put on any type of things so that my wife would notice anything. Um, I I just tried to keep it to myself, the internal turmoil that I was going through. Uh, It's when my second child was born in 2014 that I began to, my fear factor went up. I now have two children. um, Second year of pastoring uh, that church, Uh, some things were starting to come to a head at the church and I needed to ultimately make a a decision about what to do next. And um, then my daughter was born with a heart defect. Um, to where her pulmonary valve was an hourglass. And of course, now God's put me in, in a, the hot seat to an extent of how are you gonna handle this? How much are you gonna trust me with this? Are you, do you really trust me that I'll take care of her? Do you trust me? These are the thoughts going through my brain. Uh, do you trust me that if she dies, that you'll see her again? You know, do you think you'll see her again, me personally? And so those are some of the thoughts going through my brain. And um, her surgery, her open heart surgery that she had at six months was like, I felt like, uh, I don't know how to explain it. One question came to mind. If she dies, I know she's going to heaven. see her again and after her surgery i remember there were multiple times i know this sounds strange maybe it doesn't but this is what the turmoil that i was going through from then it just kept it kept getting stronger and stronger and stronger up until the day that i got saved that i would go in in the middle of the night, I would go into my daughter's room. Both of them slept in the same room. I'd go into their room, checking to make sure they were okay. And also checking to make sure that they were still there, hoping that the rapture had to take place. And I was left behind. Wow. I did that for the next I, I did it multiple times. If if my wife, if I would call my wife or try to text my wife and she didn't answer like right away, I thought the rapture happened. I'm serious. That was. That no, was I believe you, or- man.
0: I'm not, I'm not like making a don't, don't. The sound isn't like a laugh sound. The sound is like, I, I can't even imagine, man. Like, I, because looking back, like, I know how traumatic it was for us and us not being, um, you know, the father, but the relatives, like, I mean, I remember like putting her on Facebook and like, Hey, like pray for my brother, Tim's, uh, daughter. Cause she's got this, this heart thing. And I remember like getting all the pictures of her being like hooked up to tubes and stuff. Um, yep. I just can't like knowing now the the difficulty that you went through then and then seeing it now in the light that you're like the the spotlight that you're putting on it from the aspect of being unsaved man like I just kinda I'm getting a little can be honest I was getting a little choked up um Wow
1: I really didn't understand even at the age that I was I didn't understand completely what uh, a bypass was because that's what they had to do they had to put her on bypass to do the surgery and when it was finally explained to me after the fact or during the middle of the surgery i can't remember when they explained the bypass to me but my heart just kind of just i nearly thought i was going to throw up uh because of the ramifications of all that that i could lose her um that she could die would I see her again? I knew she would be in heaven, I knew that, but the question, would I see her again? And so um, in 2014, that all, that uh, she was born, and then in 2015, that's when her surgery was. And so this is what's crazy. In November of 2014, everything at the first church I was pastoring started to come to a head. I was trying to make some very bold moves, but I wasn't handling it with kid gloves. I was very headstrong. I was very bullheaded. Uh, I was compensating for not being led to the Holy Spirit. I don't know how to put it any other way. So I was being bullheaded saying that the Holy Spirit's in this, we're doing this, we're going to do this with the church. And so I remember that i had gone to we had taken a trip to montana to talk to the pastor out there about what i should do because i needed some godly counsel and i remember him telling me he says i told you in the first place not to take church but you did it anyway so now you're eating your lunch you're you're having your cake, you're eating it, and all that good stuff now you got one or two things you can either totally walk away from it and start over or you can just stay there and let them pastor And I told him, I said, no, nope, I already know what I'm going to do now. And I remember my wife and I discussed all the way back that I was going to resign before anything else. <laughs> and I remember that Sunday that I resigned, uh, I had already typed out my resignation letter. And I remember it was a Sunday morning and I went in and we were the the men of the church had actually called the meeting not me Uh, and it, it was against bylaws for the men of the church to call that kind of meeting without me being around um but they did it anyway and i remember that when we ended church that day i remember only reading i didn't preach all i did was read Job 38 39 40 Forty-one and forty-two. So I read those chapters in Job. I didn't preach. I didn't. I just read them, and I was weeping. I was crying because I couldn't believe the Lord was letting me go through this, but He was still working in my heart, trying to show me, like, you, you aren't. You're not called to preach, you know, kind of thing.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: you're. Yeah. You're not. Um, and so when the meeting came before they could even because I saw them standing at the back of the auditorium and they had all their papers had they were ready guns loaded so before they could even do that I resigned I read my letter of resignation and we walked out and everybody's just like mouths dropped open um Lord blessed in just simply that because the two families that actually came with us to When we started the other church, they came, they weren't there that Sunday that I resigned, and when I told them they resigned, they just simply moved their membership to the new church. Uh, The Lord protected them from being a part of
0: all that. So hang on, you resigned that church and started a mission work in the same town? Yep. Oh, okay. I I, I didn't realize that's how that shook out at the time
1: yeah we well we couldn't we had to find a singing church and that was the biggest issue at the time we couldn't find we we were looking for a sending church and I wound up finding a church uh talking with a pastor in Colorado and they decided to take us on as their missionaries church planners we like to call them and we started a church on December 7th uh 2014. and yeah. Interesting, right? Uh, no, I take it back. We started, we had our first services without anybody. We had it in the parsonage. So we had to move, we had a parsonage that we were living in. So we had to move out of that within 30 days of me right, resigning. So we had, it was just myself, my wife and two girls. We had our first church service, just us. And then uh, we met with some of the families. And then our very next service on December 7th, 2014, we had 41 in services because somebody had given me the idea of uh, seeing if a community room of an assisted living home would allow us to meet in their community room, but allow the residents of the assisted living home to also come in and have services with us and be a part of our services. And we found one. And while we we had 41 there. They had a little chapel because they like, well, you can meet in the chapel. I said, yeah, we're not that big. There were 41 people there, and they were standing outside the door of the chapel because the chapel could only hold 20 people. Oh, wow. Uh, so um, we moved. And then then I went back and I asked them, could we meet in their actual community room because I didn't know how many people could continue to come. She says, well, there's tables in there. I said, well, what if we move the tables, set the chairs up, and then put everything back when we're done? I was reminiscing back yeah. to Vaughn. Bon, uh, but nothing Coach we Perry.
0: haven't done before, right?
1: I've done this before. And yeah. she's like, yeah, if you can do that, that's fine. Just that our residents would still be allowed to come. I said, yeah, they will still be allowed to come. And we did that for quite a while. And, um, and then the year that I got saved happened. And I remember I was still getting up in the night or getting up early in the morning, whatever, checking on the girls, making sure they were still in their beds and that they weren't gone, uh, doing all those things. And the fear factor just kept ramping. I mean, just, I mean, it got to the point where I was making myself sick again. And, um, I remember when we went to a meeting, I went to a conference and in that conference, there was a message that was preached on, Preachers and save people being an oasis for the lost or the unbeliever to come to. Because we have a well of springing up within us. You know, we, we're supposed to have that to be able to give to the masses and, and to be able to give them the gospel so they can come to Jesus and never thirst again. Yeah. And I'm sitting there and the I'm like, wow, do I really have that? And, uh, so that was automatically started me on the path of, because I remember there was a conference right before that. Let me back up. There was a conference before that I went to and I met an old friend of mine, an old friend of mine from, um, Roland Hammett. And, uh, he was at that conference and, uh, we started talking. And when I gave him my testimony, it was like, it fell flat. It, I, I, when I finished talking to him and he walked away, I'm just like, in my head, I'm like, what was that you know that doesn't match up that doesn't add up and uh i'm just like the the internal turmoil you know the the, i felt like the bad elmer fudd was on one side the angel was on one side and the bad elmer fudd was on the other side i mean that's how it felt during that time period and then that meeting took the other meeting took place and there was a lady there at the meeting uh, when the, that, that preacher had preached that message on being on ACES, after that meeting, this lady from the church, who's a church member of that church I was we were at for the conference, she gave me her tract, a, a personal testimony tract. And I just kind of stuck it in my coat pocket and "says we're going to be passing through your church, uh, your Minot next week, so you mind if we come into your services? I said, sure. So she did, and and um, I still had not read the tract or anything like that. So this was the year of conferences for us, for whatever reason. The next thing you know, we're on our way to another conference. And since we're driving from Minot, North Dakota to uh, Dearborn Heights, Michigan, that is a long trip, folks. That is a 23 hour trip across Highway 2, US 2, across the northern sections of Minnesota, Wisconsin, going over the Mackinac Bridge, down into Mackinac down there, And I remember the one hotel we stayed at, and I kind of threw her track up on the night scene. And uh, the the girls were out uh, walking around in in the hotel, and I remember picking up the track, and I began to read it. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit's like, this is who you are. And in the track, this lady said that she had found herself multiple times Supposedly being a believer, she would go in and check to see if her kids were still there, hoping the rapture hadn't taken place. Oh. Wow. And I'm, I, it's like my, my, were, my heart started studying, like, super hard. And I'm like, really? I'm not the only one? But, of course, then she gets her testimony of salvation that this all came about where she had started talking to her pastor about this and he says well believers should not have this fear of being left behind shouldn't at all uh so um so now it's the holy spirit convicting me and i Mm kind of just excused it as romans 2 says and i went to the meeting and I get downstairs, and we're still, you know, we still have a sending church and everything like that. And the our pastor's there, the pastor of our sending church is there, and he is explaining. He's downstairs in the basement We're fellowshipping down in the basement. And I overhear him telling the testimony of his deacon. So I walk over there to hear it, and everything that he was saying about his deacon, I'm like, the Holy Spirit's like, that's you right now. I'm like, oh uh you know uh it, 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 it was getting harder it Put the facade up. Um, i'm thankful that god is what i'm suffering i'm thankful that he's merciful and that he doesn't give up um, I remember leaving that meeting. and we got home, and I remember driving back, and my wife said something to me, and the question that she asked, i I took it the wrong way. and I thought she was directly asking me, and I didn't know how to answer, so I kind of just generalized my answer. I can't remember the question. I, I, I really can't, but I just remember the question and my feeling of like I got this huge lump in my throat and my heart started beating fast again. Like, doof, 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 doof. so we get home and I remember it's Father's Day. And I get up, and I get dressed, I do all my normal routines for Sunday, get to church. And so we only had one service. We were only allowed to have one service there. And I remember that I got up. It was 10 o'clock. I got up and I preached the message. Are you a godly father? Of course, I was preached to myself. Um, the Lord just worked it out that way. That he would do that and work in that way that I would preach this without really Getting home first until I actually was saying the words out loud in the message that it was actually coming back and slapping me full force in the face. And I on the trip that we went to Dearborn Heights, my wife wanted to go to Mackinac Island. I don't know if you've ever been there. But I remember going no. and you have to get on a boat to get across to the island. You can't take your vehicle. You have to get out of your vehicles. You have to get onto this boat that takes you across on a ferry style type thing across to the island. And there's no cars on the island. It's all bicycles, horse-drawn carriages, all, the, all that stuff. And I remember when we got back that we had missed the boat and I flipped. I flipped out. I wasn't angry. I mean, I was walking up and down the beach, scared to death that we were not going to get a boat to get back to the mainland. I mean, scared to death. My wife came up and she says, what is your problem? It's just a boat. We can just stay on the island. And I'm just, I'm like, no, 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 we need to get back on the mainland uh hopefully though she says there's one more vote we're going to get the last vote but I just would I'm so scared for whatever reason that we're going to get trapped on the island I don't know why but that's just was my feeling. <clears throat> so now we're sitting after service is over we go home and the Lord is not letting up mean, he is not letting me go keeps working on me, working on me, working on me. My wife's like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. I didn't talk to anyone about it. Couldn't tell anybody about it. I'm supposed to be pastor of the church. I'm a preacher. I'm doing all these things that I'm supposed to be doing as a pastor. No way do they need to know what I'm going through internally.
0: There's there's no way you couldn't possibly be saved. No. Yeah.
1: No. No. I, I knew it wasn't. I, I knew you you, you I know would, what, you know what I, I mean like and in,
0: in everybody else's mind like oh well he's he's a pastor he's a missionary like look how much he serves God there's, he's there's like no out way. of the question right yeah. yeah there's no way he's dealing with stuff like this
1: so I, we went to bed it was about nine thirty ten o'clock timed into bed and my wife falls asleep really fast and I don't and I'm turning tossing and turning and all of a sudden it's like the holy spirit like do you remember when you were at a conference last year and a pastor got up in the pulpit and he began to preach a message and he said that during his preaching that when he he was already a preacher and he was a pastor of a church and he got up and was preaching and he was preaching a message and also he stopped in mid preaching and said folks i have to stop here the holy spirit has smote my heart has convicted me that i am lost and i need to get saved right now and he knelt behind the pulpit that he was preaching at preaching from and asked christ to save him and then got up and finished preaching (laughs) wow so when that happened when, when the holy spirit brought that testimony back to me i'm just like Of course, then of course, then the, the devils, the evil spirits, whatever you want to call them, the devil speaks into your ear and like, but you're like, what's your pastor. You've been preaching now for 18 years. You've been preaching since you were 17. You've been doing all these good things. You've been doing this. You've been helping people. You've been doing this. You've been doing that. And then also the biggest one was, what are the brethren going to say? What are your pastor friends going to say? All of a sudden you get saved. What are they gonna stay? And the Holy Spirit's like, You lost, you're going to hell. You need to get this right. You shouldn't, God has not given you spirit of fear. This fear that you're having is not a fear that God has given you. This is a fear that you have that you shouldn't have. But also then at the same time, I had a healthy fear of a holy God. That I was afraid of him he was going to be my judge and finally i I, it was i can't even remember it was like 10 30 and i was i was tossing and turning and finally i said okay i give up i give up i can't do this anymore and i remember i flipped over on the bed with my face smashed into the mattress i mean just smashed down into the mattress I started weeping, and I, I cried out. I said, Lord, I can't do it anymore. I'm so sorry for living a lie. I'm so sorry for putting up this facade. I'm sorry for sinning against you. I'm sorry for sinning against all these people that I've lied to for so many years. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Save me from myself. Save me from my sins. Please, Lord, do that. Please give me peace. I need peace because I had not had any. And all of a sudden it was like, it was like the air went out. It's like the air went out of me. And all of a sudden I kind of just sank, you know. I was on my, I was like, like on my knees, but my face was buried in the mattress. And it was like, it went out. And all of a sudden I, I, I just, it was like peace, just like a wave flooded in me, through me, over me around me and I fell asleep.
2: Wow. Wow. And they rejoiced in heaven.
1: (laughs) Oh, I I didn't even, I didn't have time to rejoice. I was so physically, emotionally exhausted. Yeah. I had been fighting this thing for years, but for the last three months, the the last three months before that, it had been horrific. It was the worst spiritual battle I'd ever been in.
0: So. And this was the
1: last 5 minutes was like oh my goodness this is like this is for my eternal soul i need to surrender
0: so and how how and old were you at this point How what how old were you at this point late 30s late 30s so i am mean, potentially right if if you're saying late 30s the weight of 30 years
1: the eight, of 30 eight, years
0: eight, eight to late 30s, right? The weight of 30 yep. years gone in an instant.
1: Now, I'm not saying that I haven't had worries or anxieties, but now I know where my trust is at in those things.
0: Uh, ab- absolutely. That
1: when they when they creep up, I automatically go, Lord, I don't need to worry about this. I don't need to fear this. I don't need to have anxiety about this. You're in control. I'm not I trust you know what's going on. I may not fully understand, but it's all yours. I can't do anything about it. Of course, the flesh wants to fight against that trust. Because it just doesn't want to do that. You know, it doesn't want to hand that it wants to still have that worry still wants to have that the flesh wars constantly like that sometimes. No. And I remember getting up. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead.
0: Okay. I, no, I, was I got up say... the next
1: morning I because I, I didn't shake my wife awake. I didn't wake her. I'm like, guess what, honey? I got saved. <laughs> didn't happen to me. <laughs> So I got up the next morning. I didn't even wake her up. I wrote a letter to her and I put it in my office on the desk. Now, mind you, we lived in um, a trailer that had been modified. So I had a lot of add-on pieces to the sh- main uh shell of it and so my office was in a uh, this is awkward it was in a closet we had taken the doors off and just put my desk up against the wall of the closet and had a light in there and that was my office my chair actually uh sat outside in the foyer of our walk-in uh entryway
0: of high, the, class. Of our high class
1: high class i mean couldn't ask for a better better office And so I left her the note, I went to work Um, about 930 because I was going to call her to tell her I left her a note and she called me about 930. I'm working at Menards and um, she calls me. She's like, I read your note. Like, yeah, I didn't know how to tell you. She's like, I knew. I knew. I knew something was wrong. I knew something wasn't right from the beginning. I knew there was something you were struggling with. I knew it was something major. I knew it was something big. And all I've been doing for the last couple of months has been really praying for you. So I got home after work and she met me at the door. and We cried a little bit and she hugged and she goes, and then I'm like, well, now comes the big thing. I've got to call our pastor of our ascending church and uh so i called him and he just started laughing <laughs> I
0: mean,
1: he was it was a good laugh it no, no, was one no, I got of those good hearty laugh, and, and if you know pastor John smith um he is a jolly old soul and uh he's a bigger man and, and so when he laughs his whole body kind of shakes like a bowl full of jelly
0: He's and Santa, and is could, what you're well, saying. He he's Santa. Yeah, okay, oh yeah, got it. But
1: now they don't celebrate Christmas, but no, no, no. I got dad. you. He's Santa. And,
0: so and, and not 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 to break in, not to break in. Um, but um, so you you had to go through this process of and correct me because I'm trying to I'm trying to kind of skip forward because I want to kind of get on a a little thing here here in yeah. a second. Um, you go through this process, I mean you've got a you you come off the mission field, right? That was the counsel of your pastor correct um you, you get back to your home church uh you're rebaptized, right because your your first baptism is, is is just a is just a warm bath in a bathtub. Um,
1: well, I got baptized in North Dakota, oh nice, by one of the church by one of the church members of the church that I started.
0: Okay. So, I mean, baptized, baptized, then you go back and you're kind of, you, you learn all the things and you learn how to look at all the things that you've learned from all the years that you've been in the ministry through the lens of grace now, right? Yes. Um, and, and then you get a call to another church. What was the time period of kind of your refresh there?
1: Well, what happened was uh, the biggest question that after I got saved, after the Lord saved me, it was like, okay, what about your call? And that was sure. another big issue. Yeah. Uh, because I can't go off of the call prior to all that because apparently I never was called.
0: Right. right. That wasn't a Holy um, Spirit calling. That was a your feeling calling.
1: Yes, exactly. So I remember calling one of our supporting churches because we had some support coming in. And the pastor of that church, um, he took me to a verse in Jeremiah where it says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before that came forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and I ordained thee a prophet into the nations. Right. Yep. And he says, "He says, what happened is that God knew that he was going to take you through this whole process to bring you to this place. And now all you're doing is catching up with his plan."
0: no, that's good. Wow. That's, that's some great advice right there.
1: I'm like, okay. He said, but you really need to pray about whether you're truly called or not. And so for three months um, I did all that fasted, prayed with my wife, prayed with the pastor of our sending church, prayed with other pastors, my father-in-law, dad, all those things. And finally I came around. Yeah, I'm called to preach, but then I got some advice from some other people that I needed to get off and go back to our sending church. Whether that was good advice or not, I can't say, but I did it anyway. Okay. Um, Colorado was a stepping stone. You remember, Tom, you would remember some things that that we had seen um, his faith exemplified in certain things that had taken place in his own life where we had seen faith in action and we basically saw miracles take place, kind of. Oh, yeah. Well, I wanted some of that myself. I was in Colorado. I wanted God to show me that this wasn't a fluke, that the call to preach wasn't a fluke, that my faith that I had, that He had given to me to have in Him, was real. And we saw him multiple times things happened that was just like yep that's that's totally god and that was the thing with this coming here um i got the call in november of 2018 pastor mrs rose were coming through colorado and they were staying in a prophet's chamber of sorts uh, that one of the other pastors down there had a house by his house on his property that he held for missionaries and other pastors to come through and say they needed a place to stay. Pastor Rose was taking his flight to Estes Park. She had never been there. And so my wife and I went down with the girls to visit with them. And he basically said, you know, we're really praying that you and your wife and your children come to Marshall, Wisconsin. That's in 2018 so a year before that in 2017 he had called me and said that he would like me to come and probably come to Marshall Wisconsin and be the next pastor I did not have peace about it the Lord didn't give me peace about it uh simply because the Lord because I when I brought it before the Lord Lord's like I'm not done with you here yet the ministry here in North Dakota is not finished you need to finish this course And so I finished the course. I finished that. We uh, established the church. Um, Another pastor took over. Um, Oddly enough, it was the pastor of Dakota Baptist Church, the one I had resigned from. He became the next pastor of New Testament Baptist Church, and Dakota Baptist Church uh, was dissolved, and all those members joined New Testament Baptist Church. so Colorado, when we, when Pastor Rose said that in 2018, I said, well, you know, I don't know what's going to happen here. We're still praying, seeking the Lord's face on what he wants us to do next. And um, in January of 2019, I called Pastor Rose just to see how they were doing, wishing a happy new year. And he's like, odd oh, that you should call. I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, brother, are you going to come here or not? I said, I don't know, um, but let's just put it this way. Everything worked out. The blessing of the pastor down there, he eventually gave me his blessing to come here. And in two thousand April of 2019, we came to Marshall, Wisconsin.
0: That's awesome, man. Um, how many people, well, r- 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 right before we end, how many people did you see come to salvation under, um, your preaching while you were unsaved? Just a, I mean, it doesn't have to be an exact number, just kind of a round number. One. 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 Do you, do you think that in all the time during your ministry that anyone was benefiting, um, from the, from the preaching of God's Word?
1: I had one man tell me, that he told me outright, he said, I have grown under your preaching. And that okay. was when I was
0: lost. Right. So, first of all, a, a lot of your testimony I hadn't heard before. I appreciate you sharing it with us. I think one of the things, sure. I think one of the things that, the key points that i would take away from this is god will use anyone he wants to um i think when we look at some um i I can think of a singer from like the mid 90s right ray bolt um great I, i mean maybe maybe people nowadays don't really like his music this this dude this dude could write now we know now, right? That uh, Rayboulds came out as a homosexual, and people like conservative Christian Christianity pretty much swore off all of his music. My issue with that is, is some of the lyrics that he wrote are some of the most gospel lyrics you will find in any song. I find it hard to believe that God cannot use anyone. He wants to for the furtherance of the gospel. My key point for that would be he used a donkey to speak through to point someone in the right direction. And I think out of out of the whole testimony, I mean, just God's grace and his long suffering apparent in all of it. Right. Like even in those times when you were unsaved. God's word was still being preached. The gospel was still being heard and people benefited from it. Now, I'm not saying that to say, oh yeah, uh, even if you're not a Christian, go out there and be a preacher. You should be fine. You know, even if you're not born again, go out there and be a preacher. You should be fine. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll take any old secular uh, song lyric that anybody writes and use it as, as gospel truth. That's not what I'm saying.
2: But man, God's grace is good. No, no doubt, no doubt. I, I just, I keep having this picture in my mind, right, of of heaven, right, and and God is looking at the book of life, and he sees, you know, Tim, he sees your wife's name, and he sees maybe your children's name, and for the longest time, he had a space there for you, for the longest time, thirty plus years, right? He had, he had a more than that. He he had a spacer for you It was blank, and right. I don't know about this, but you know, I, I like to think that he looks at it, and he said, man. I, it's coming but what what a great day that when god was able to put tim's name in that spot right where you belonged right there with your family and like i said before the heavens rejoiced and here we oh, are
1: we all rejoice I, I like I that think picture my i was like most excited
2: right i, I bet Yeah, i, I, I bet. like that picture a lot uh well i wanted to say this too as we wrap up um you know if, if anyone is listening to this and you're thinking what are they talking about right? what what is what does this mean the salvation that we are referencing, because we we, are, we reference it often. If, if you've never thought about it, I, I would encourage you to think about this thought. What happens when you exit this life? If you can't answer that question, I would encourage you to reach out to us in this podcast. If you know of a local Baptist or Christian Bible believing teaching church, attend find the answers that is the whole point of this podcast that we would be able to provide answers and honestly it's it's as easy as this listeners if you are there in that spot and you don't know if you will be with the Lord in heaven in, in eternity when you check out because we're not we're not promised another minute another night another day if you are unsure the Lord calls you to him being you must you must know and believe and understand that you are a sinner. You can't get there yourself. That's the first step. Second, you must realize that the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ, his son that he sent to die on the cross for your sins, specifically your sins. And listener, if you, if you would just accept that free gift of salvation and, and it doesn't have to be audible, you know, it, it can be a thought in your head. It could be a prayer. But if you would accept that gift of salvation and say, Lord, I believe that you died on the cross for my sin, that I couldn't do it, and I want to be with you in eternity, that's all it takes, and you are saved, my friends. Yeah, that's it.
0: And if you if you want more information about that and you're like, I still don't understand completely what I, what that is, listen— podcast at lakeworthbaptist.org you can also get a hold of us LwBC underscore publications on Instagram uh, we're also on Facebook under LwBC underscore publications look us up get a hold of us do what you need to do to get a hold of the gospel. Uh, Tim, thank you for your time. I know as a pastor you're busy uh, appreciate you being vulnerable with us tonight and just kind of uh, sharing your testimony with us um, all the way from Wisconsin who who knew? technology is possible um but yeah thanks so much i appreciate you You guys having
1: me on i have enjoyed it i haven't shared my testimony often because it's actually pretty long um all i can say is also if you also if you're listening to this and you're in my area i don't know if you are but if you are you can check out org, and you'll find there the whole plan of salvation is also on there as well on our website
2: perfect perfect. Right. well ladies and gentlemen we thank you again for tuning in to this episode of Thinking Well we definitely took a deep plunge into the well today we'll be back next week with a new episode thank you